welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I brought Fabio Campanella, the founding partner of Campanella Group, to talk about an interesting and timely topic, and that is the taxation of cryptocurrencies. So I'm sure that, like many, you've heard about cryptocurrencies from the standpoint of not paying taxes. Well, let's we're gonna we're gonna go over that and and talk about just how salient that wisdom is and uh, how much trouble you'll be in if you believe that. So with that, here's my interview with Fabio. Fabio, thanks for coming on. Hey, man, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So Fabio Campanella of the Campanella Group, tell us about what it is you do. Sure. It's primarily, I'm a tax and estate planner and I run through something called the Campanella Group, which is a professional corporation registered with CPA Ontario. That's pretty much sums it up. We don't need to get into too, too much detail. I don't want to bore your listeners. Fair enough. So you reached out about various topics. And the one that really resonated was this one around cryptocurrencies and taxation. So before I jump into that, if you want any information on how cryptocurrencies work, my other podcast, FinTech Impact, has covered this many times. But one of the things that a lot of people talk about, and I'll never forget this, when I remember the news was covering it the first time when this cafe in Toronto was taking Bitcoin, he made the statement of, yeah, and this is great because I don't have to pay tax on it. And there's the semblance or the belief that the anonymity factor of all this means that, oh, yeah, I can just get away with not paying taxes on this. I brought you on to talk about the realities. So talk to me about what the realities are when it comes to cryptocurrency transactions. Okay, so cryptocurrency, I mean, I'm assuming that your listeners are educated in this. This is a new asset class. And in essence, it relies on something called blockchain technology, which is a network. And I might be butchering this, but it's a network of computers that double checks each other's work to ensure that everybody who says they have this particular currency has it and a transaction has occurred. In essence, cryptocurrency, there's been a huge misunderstanding because of the, you're essentially anonymous when you own cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin. Well, let's clarify uh, that. You're basically, the only thing that, ex- that is on the record, because this is an open ledger anyone can read, right. is an address. So there is nothing on the chain that links your address to you as a human being or a business. So that's where the anonymity factor comes in. Correct. Correct. So there's been a misconception that, okay, because you're anonymous, you yourself are anonymous, that these transactions do not attract tax. Let's go straight to the basics of taxation in Canada. Any resident of Canada, any taxable resident, and there's you know specific definitions of that, but if you live in Canada, you're a taxable resident of Canada. So taxable residents of Canada are taxable on their worldwide income. That means any money that you make anywhere in the world or any transaction that can be measured in fiat currency, in Canadian dollars, is potentially a taxable transaction. So right off the bat, by definition, cryptocurrency transactions, if there is a gain component to them, should trigger some form of taxation. And that's the legal basis upon which the government of Canada Canada will tax you on. So once we've kind of got that set aside, like you are, your Bitcoin transactions, your cryptocurrency transactions are taxable. I'm going to get into sort of the details 
more surrounding Bitcoin than the other thousand cryptocurrency transactions, mainly because Bitcoin is it's so big. It's it's pretty much the most popular one. I think you'll know this better than me, but I think that the market cap of Bitcoin as it stands right now in Canadian dollars should be about what, a trillion? Well, we're looking at about eight hundred and ninety-six billion as of right this minute, US dollars. So yeah, that's gonna be well over a trillion dollars. And more so, I think one of the bigger issues, one of the bigger reasons we need to focus on that is the network effects, right? So it's nice right. that there are more crypto tokens than are than you know than we can count out there. But the reality is what the reason why currencies accept is valuable is because it's accepted everywhere. So the cryptocurrency that is accepted in the most places is Bitcoin, which makes it the most relevant to the topic of taxation. Exactly. Exactly. So from that particular perspective, this, it's the idea is this is no joke. And my personal belief is those who deny it or say it's some sort of crazy bubble, I think that they're missing the point. I think this is here. And I think it's something that we need to pay attention to. And the taxation of it is going to be a big secondary factor. So from that particular perspective, the next tax, pure tax concept that we're looking at is the concept of business income versus capital gain. So Bitcoin, you're not just pure Bitcoin. You're never going to get a dividend from it. It's not going to pay you a dividend because it's not a company. It's not going to pay you a rent. It's not going to pay you a royalty, right? Mm -hmm. So you're left with two types of classification for income in Canada. And that would be a business type of income or also known as an adventure in the nature of trade, which is essentially taxed at 100% of your marginal tax rate, or you're look, looking at a capital gain, which mm -hmm. under current legislation is taxed at half, is half taxable. For now, as we head into an election, but continue. For now. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Right. Yes. And then on the flip side, business losses are 100% deductible at the margin, whereas capital losses are only half deductible, but only against capital gains. So you clearly see that there's going to be a preference if there's a gain for the taxpayer to report Bitcoin transactions as capital gain because they're paying half the tax. And there's going to clearly be an incentive for someone who takes a big dive or a big dump in Bitcoin to claim that loss as a business loss because yep. it's utilize, you can utilize it against all forms of personal income. And it's 100% write-off at the loss level. Okay. The question now is, how does the CRA going to look at this? How is the CRA going to look at these transactions? And this is where the issues lie, because there are no, if you open up the Income Tax Act and you look up Bitcoin, you're not going to find it. If you look up cryptocurrency, you're not going to find it. We don't have specific laws dealing with these types of asset classes yet. So right now, you're looking at going to essentially guidance. CRA guidance, it's not really court cases because there isn't really any, there aren't really any precedents at any high levels of court on this. However, they do, the CRA does provide some guidance. So we've established capital gain versus business income. We established that if you want to have it, if you have a gain, you're going to want it as a capital gain. If you have a loss, there's an incentive to claim it as a business loss. And that is pure numbers, right? You gain, you want to take half the tax, loss, you want to take the whole thing. It just works out better. So how does the CRA look at your transactions, right, when it comes to business income or capital gain? And commonly, what they're looking for, for business activity, is that you're carrying on an activity for commercial reasons and in a commercially viable way. You undertake like sort of business-like activities in a business-like manner 
That could be including preparing business plans, acquiring capital assets or inventory. You're promoting a product or services or, or service. Uh, you know, you're showing that you intend to make a profit even if it's unlikely to do so in the short term. These are all sort of things that the CRA is looking at before they sort of make a determination of whether things are business income or capital gain. I'll give you a quick example. So this is an interesting point to stop on because people may think that this is unique to crypto. Like, that's not fair. Wait a sec. It's got to be one thing or the other, right? Like what's, what's going on? But in actuality, CRA leaves it open to interpretation based on the actual fact pattern of what happened with the asset in the first place. And there's a couple of precedents around this. So, you know, for example, trading within a TFSA, most people will be like, no, no, it's tax shelter because it's tax free. Well, if you're actively trading in there and make a bundle of money, they're just going to be like, no, no, this is a speculative trading business. This is not actually your long-term savings account and basically fully tax that, right? They'll, and even, even in personal, your personal life, if you basically... I've, I've spoken to people like this who basically who built like quantitative models for trading. And they're like, I'm not even going to try to claim this as capital gains or capital losses because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, CRA is going to know this is a business, right? So the interpretation of whether something's a business or an investment is something that's very commonplace in different places of the law. And it, it does befuddle some people. And what you stated at the beginning of your point there, it's based on the fact pattern is the key. It's based on the individual fact pattern for that particular individual. So it's not exactly like you said, it's not based on the asset. It's based on the fact pattern surrounding the disposition of the asset. Simple, simple, simple example. You buy 100 shares of any Canadian bank stock in a taxable brokerage account. You collect the dividends and you reinvest them in a drip. You hold that stock for 10 years. You never trade it again. And then after 10 years, you sell it. You're not a stockbroker. You're not in the securities industry. You're pretty likely to get a capital gains treatment. You're capitalizing that amount. Yeah, you're cut and dry. But even if you're not a stockbroker, even if you're not an investment advisor, okay, and you're not in the securities industry, but you bought, let's say, 100 shares of TD Bank, and you're actively monitoring the price of TD every single day, and you're trading in it every single day, you're going, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at trade volumes, you're looking at this, you're doing some technical analysis, and you buy it, sell it, buy it, sell it, buy it, sell it, and you're making consistent money over the years doing this. That fact pattern looks more like you're running a side business than you're doing a sort of a passive investment because you clearly don't care about the dividend. You're clearly playing with the price and you're clearly doing it frequently. So these are kind of extreme examples utilizing a traditional investment, a bank stock. Everybody knows bank stocks. And that fact pattern can switch over to, to Bitcoin. It can switch over to anything, real estate, anything really. But that's just the basics. The first thing that people need to understand when it comes to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, there's actually, and putting aside, let's say, over-the-counter derivatives, all right, which theoretically are possible. There's actually three types of broad transactions that I believe you can get into. And you might want to add a couple more because you're actually quite knowledgeable on on, Mm -hmm. uh, cryptocurrency. You know more about it than I do, that's for sure. What I've identified is there's mining of Bitcoin. There's using Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies in actual market transactions, buying and selling things with Bitcoin. And then there's buying and selling cryptocurrency from an investment or speculative standpoint. That's what I've identified. Do you have anything else like that would be common other than crazy things like you know, so somebody writing a, a derivative? Mining, 
transaction. Mm -hmm. And then what was the last one you had there? Just buying and selling from a speculative or an investment yeah. Per perspective. Yeah. I think it comes down to it's, it's a current, I think that's basically it. You have, a, you have creation, you have use, you have, you have speculation and you have use. I think each of those speaks to one of two different scenarios, quite, which I'll let you get to in a second, quite, quite easily. I mean, there are, yeah, there are other functions for it in particular amount that if we could get into derivatives, you know, there's other ancillary things around it, but as for the actual cryptocurrency itself, those are the, pretty much the three primary use cases. Yeah, perfect. So from a mining perspective, I don't think any individuals nowadays are truly mining Bitcoin. I think it's a, it's all done in data centers. If well, I, it is. It's not profitable. I mean, good luck to you. But exactly, yeah, exactly. So let's say theoretically, when you mine a cryptocurrency, when you when you mine Bitcoin, you have this supercomputer and it's verifying crazy mathematical transact uh, problems, and you are rewarded for doing this work or for your computer doing this work with that particular cryptocurrency with Bitcoin. Okay. That reward and what you've done here, I mean, without even getting into the details, it's clearly a business. Mm -hmm. You're clearly in this and you're running a business. This is not an well, it's, it's actual not production, a, really. I mean, like you're providing yeah. a service and the maintenance of the ledger in exchange for possible, you know, for possible windfall, which essentially, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but nevertheless, yes, it's totally, there's no, there's hardly, it, it's a business. There's no way to make money on it unless it's a business. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're checking all the boxes. Don't even try to claim that as capital gain. Don't even try. And there are tax planning opportunities around this. It's, if it's business income and it's active business income, then theoretically you can incorporate a company, buy the computers and whatnot, and capitalize them in the, in the corporation, in, in the CCPC, the Canadian Controlled Private Company. And you could, you could actually achieve a very low tax rate in the corporation because of the small business deduction, right? Yep. So in Ontario, it would be about 12.2%, and you could reinvest in some new computer equipment and so on and so forth. So there's actually quite a bit of tax planning oh, around that. Here's, here's the other one people don't realize, which is which is I'm not pleased with, but there are different hydro rates, electricity as we like, we like to call high, uh, electricity like hydro in Ontario for some stupid reason. There are different yeah. rates for manufacturers and it is possible for mining companies to actually qualify for those rates, which I do not like, but continue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. So there's a lot of incentives available here, tax incentives, and these are indirect, direct, right? It, mm -hmm. It's because, hey, you want to classify it as business income? Sure, no problem. I'm going to throw it all into a corporation, get the small business deduction, and get a huge tax deferral. And there's all kinds of tricks we can use that are completely legal and completely established to grow the business. But the idea, though, is that it's business income. But how do you measure that business income? And it looks like when you're rewarded, with the Bitcoin, whatever the conversion rate to fiat or to the, the measurement that we like to use in Canada, the Canadian dollar, on that day, that's the income. So if you're given one Bitcoin and Bitcoin is worth 50 grand at close of business that day, that is your income, business income, 50 grand. Okay. Make sense? I hear it. No, I absolutely hear it. Yep. The next thing is, and this one is, this one's actually a little bit strange, but it's using cryptocurrency, using Bitcoin in, in purchase and sale transactions. So you mentioned that cafe or, or was it the cafe that was accepting Bitcoin that you mentioned at the beginning? In that case, it was a cafe. Yeah. I don't know if they're still right. there. So if you're going to accept Bitcoin in a transaction, clearly, whether no matter how anonymous the transaction is, it really doesn't matter. If you're going to accept Bitcoin, if you're going to accept seashells, if you're going to accept diamonds, what's happened here is the CRA will go to, in essence, the barter rules, right? 
So let's say that I, as an accountant, barter with a landscaper, okay? And I say, okay, look, I'm going to do your year-end. I'm going to prepare your corporate year-end. I'm going to prepare your corporate tax, so on and so forth. Let's say that's 2500 to 3500 bucks. And in exchange, you're going to shovel my driveway and mow my lawn, okay? Mm-hmm. No money has exchanged hands, all right? No one will ever probably really find out about it. But the reality is you've entered into a barter transaction, which can be measured financially in Canadian dollars. And that's subject to both HST and tax, okay? And what happens here is you measure the most measurable transaction, which let's say the year-long service that the landscaper is going to provide, it's pretty clear that's worth 2,500 bucks to 3,500 bucks. Okay, three grand. The CR is going to say, give me, put $3,000 on your income tax return as business income, and you owe us 13% HST. And there will be a corresponding write-off to the other individual if it is a deductible expense and an HST input tax credit on their side. Okay? So it's treated as a barter transaction. So Bitcoin, at any given second, you can really get a quote in Canadian dollars on Bitcoin. So if somebody pays me for my service in Bitcoin or buys a product from me in Bitcoin, that transaction will simply be measured in the equivalent Canadian dollars. Okay. Well, I mean, in fairness, that's largely the same for any currency transaction. Exactly the same as any other transaction. The issue is because it's not recognized as an actual currency, it's recognized as almost like a commodity under the eyes of tax at the moment. So they're looking at it like, hey, you're paying with gold nuggets, in essence. So what are those gold nuggets worth right now at the time of the transaction? You've bartered a product, gold, for a service or another product. And those are the guidelines that they are using. So I guess those are the two, we have to cover those, but I think that most people, they're more worried about speculation because the vast majority of people- Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. As much as as much as we use the term currency, I mean, even guests on my other podcast, like, well, why would you use it for transactions? Like, it's very few cases are actually using it for transactions. More are using for speculation. Absolutely. So that that's that's where most of the use case falls. So this is this falling piece is where most people will uh, will will have to pay attention closely. Yeah, and and from a transaction standpoint, likely you you'll you'll probably confirm this for me, but probably it's more used in the trend in transactions for let's call it shady purposes. I mean, that's the general synopsis. And that's like, that's the incentivized reason, but I've seen it used in a lot of other things, you know, specifically people doing work, like highly skilled engineers, for example, doing work outside of their currency regime is highly questionable. So right. instead of getting paid in US dollars, which there's friction costs and whatnot, do they get, they get paid in Bitcoin? There's a number, I mean, you can buy a Tesla now at Bitcoin, but they're all, well, actually stopped doing that, but it's gonna turn it back on. Point is, is that, yeah, there's absolutely, if, you know, if you're doing something shady or you're trying to extort people or you're trying to do a CRA scam, that is the currency of choice. Yeah, 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 for sure. But once again, from most people that are listening to this, they're going to be talking. They're going to be thinking Bitcoin from an or cryptocurrency from an investment perspective, a speculative perspective. I want to buy low. Well, let's just, yeah, high. let's just use the word speculative, please. I mean, there's a yeah. big difference between investment and speculation. And right. uh, <laughs> yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Let's say from a speculative perspective, right? So, from a speculative standpoint, personal tax liability on Bitcoin it's incurred when cryptocurrency is either sold and realized as fiat currency or exchanged for another cryptocurrency okay that is the trigger point at which you have either a gain or a loss 
for tax purposes. Okay. So if you're speculating, right, like I talked about before, the tax liability is either an account of business income or capital gain. If the trading activity or the volume of trades are very frequent, the CRA is probably going to look towards business income as opposed to capital gains. But it's not that simple to be honest with you. So if you look at the CRA's guidance on this, they don't really have specific guidance yet. And they're going to defer to IT Bulletin 479R, which is transactions and securities. That even though this is clearly not a security, okay, it's clearly not. At the moment, that is what they're looking at. So for anybody who's familiar with that, and a lot of a lot of people are actually familiar with it, there's a whole list of items or checks and balances that the CRA is going to look at before they make that determination. And once again, it's based on the individual fact pattern. So that individual's fact pattern, it's case by case. It's not legislated rules. The most obvious one is going to be the frequency of transactions. Right. So if the taxpayer is displaying like this extensive history of buying and selling of securities, or let's replace the word securities with Bitcoin, there's a quick turnover of the asset over and over again. That's going to be more indicative of a business transaction than a capital transaction. Within the, the frequency of transactions area, they're also going to look at the volume of trades. So frequency, it's like, okay, I make one trade a day. That's actually quite free, but there's also volume of trades. Like one of my clients during, I think it was 2018 when crypto got busted down, Mm -hmm. this poor guy lost a million dollars and his volume of trades when he downloaded them and sent them to me to prepare his tax return, there was 10,000 trades in one year, right? 10,000. So, I mean, I I picture that from a capital gains situation, like here's the trouble. Now let's just go to superficial loss rules now. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, you know, odds are he didn't, he didn't, he stopped, he didn't stop trading for a 30 day period, but superficial loss rules. I mean, you should be thankful that in Canada, it's that easy because in the U S with the, with the, uh, with the wash rules, and there was a case of this with, with someone trading on, on Robin hood. The reality is, is that that whatever losses they had, they only get credit for it next year. And they owe the taxes right. this year. Right? Like it's brutal. Well, w- with this particular individual, there are so many trades. I sat there and I looked at them. I'm like, buddy, I'm not going to calculate all, all of these trades. This is crazy. I go, what did you put in and what did you take out? And it turned out that he lost a million dollars, somewhere around a million dollars. It was in a year that he had a large capital gain elsewhere. So he kind of said, the determination was like, look, taking this as a business loss is a pretty aggressive stance, even though it probably should be, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like an offset and Bob's your uncle, like it offset against the gain and he didn't want to get greedy and try to take a a full million dollar loss. However, I think that knowing the the rules now, I think that ultimately it probably should have been a business type of loss because he was clearly he was clearly running a business in terms of frequency of trading, in terms of volume of trading. And then you'll see some other points on the checklist that this individual also hit. Okay. So that that would be the frequency of transactions. That's the first criteria. The second would be the period of ownership. And that's how long are you holding on to your positions? And that's in general with securities. So securities are crypto held for very short periods of time. That supports income treatment more than a position held for the long haul. 
And that's pretty logical. I don't think we even really need to cover more of that. The next point would be the knowledge. They state the knowledge of the securities market. And once again, let's replace the word securities with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. The more knowledge or expertise you have in, in securities or crypto in, the, in those sectors, the more the CRA is going to lean towards business income. So if you are like for you, for example, you have a lot of knowledge of securities. You have a lot of knowledge of crypto. You're out there, you're doing podcasts, you're a known content expert on yep. these things. That's going to be a more of a tick towards business income. But, you know, some Joe Blow who doesn't know anything about this stuff and his hair, his uh, barber is like, hey, yeah, I put 10 grand to crypto and they work some blue collar job and they've never, they don't even know what a security is. That's going to be more along the capital gain side, all I'll see. The next trend, the next uh, thing they're going to look at is do securities or Bitcoin or cryptocurrency transactions form a part of the taxpayer's ordinary business. So for example, if securities or Bitcoin transactions form a normal part of your primary business, the CRA is going to lean more towards business income. So are you registered with IROC? That's a tick against you. Are you mining Bitcoin, for example, or mining crypto, multiple cryptocurrencies, and then getting rewarded with them and dumping them? That forms a part of your business. Are you just trading Bitcoin? If you're not trading frequently, maybe once a week, but you're really, really good at it for whatever reason, okay? And you're basically living off that, off the, off the spoils of that, you know, that forms a part of your ordinary business. So that's what they're looking at there. The next criteria, okay, and there are four more, is time spent. And this one's hard to kind of prove. But if a substantial amount of time is spent studying the crypto market, trading in the crypto market, working in the crypto market, the CRA is going to lean more towards business income. That's kind of hard to prove because they're not going to go to your office or your house, but they can look at it through the amount of time logged in on, on trading platforms or whatever it is. The next one's interesting. It's financing. As an investor, are they trading with their own money, like just savings? Okay. Are they using some sort of a margin account, which I suppose is possible now because Bitcoin trade, you know, you can get them on ETFs, right? Well, not only that, I mean, there are, I've, I've interviewed them, they're crypto lending platforms that will, you know, right. let you there you go. Exactly. So, yeah. So, are you using some form of financing? And if you are, how complex is that financing? So, the more you're using financing, the more it looks like a business income rather than just straight up speculation, long-term speculation. Next thing that comes into play is something they call advertising. So, you know, is the taxpayer advertising or, you know, otherwise making it known that he or she is willing to purchase securities or cryptocurrencies or trade in them. And that I think- So they're on also, TikTok advertising all their, all their, all their crypto- wins You got it. it. Like they're, okay. So there you, you go. Social media's got a cost anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And, and I'll, talk with you, I'll talk to you another point on that. I actually wrote an article years ago for uh, the Financial Post on that that how social media is used by the CRA, but you're advertising it. They consider social media posts, especially frequent social media posts to be a form of advertising. So you're advertising your tra crypto trades. You're trying to build an email list and you're offering a crypto trading guide, whatever it is. 
this is all advertising. You don't necessarily need to be taking Google ads and paid ads, but you are advertising to the public that you are doing this and you're looking for other people possibly to put money in or to finance your trades. And then in the case of shares specifically, it's their nature. So speculative types of non-dividend paying shares would be more business-like. That doesn't really, they mentioned this, the CRA, but that doesn't really hold any weight in crypto, in my opinion. So I, I think that they would that that wouldn't really come into play because from the perspective of Bitcoin, they're going to just say it's speculative in the first place because it's not a fiat currency. It's not recognized by anyone other than, um, who is it, El Salvador now? Uh, uh, it is, yeah. El Salvador yeah. has made it an official currency. So we'll see yeah, how that is. So, I mean, it's you know, I, I love the fact. Here's the thing. Yes, fair enough. Well, you know what you say that, but there's other there's other examples of digital currencies around the world that have worked, not necessarily Bitcoin, but the uh, M-Pesa, for example, in... Um, mm-hmm. M-Pesa in Kenya, which has been a highly effective mobile-based currency transact transfer service for a long oh, really? time. So, I mean, it's not it's not a cryptocurrency, but it has been a valuable tool for moving money around digitally, more of a traditional form of currency. But nevertheless, it's like all the a lot of the utilities around crypto there. Anyway, I'm sure people will debate yeah. me on this, but nevertheless, the use case is very similar. Yeah, and look, it's it's all got to start somewhere. I heard about Bitcoin, what was it, 10, 11 years ago, whenever it first came out, I'm like, what the hell is this, right? Yeah. Like, what the heck are people talking about? It's one of these stupid Facebook memes or whatever, you know? But, you know, now it's a, it's a thing and we've got to learn how to deal with it. So those are, the, those are the broad points the CRA is going to be looking at when making their decision. Mm-hmm. And remember, in taxation in Canada, generally speaking, the, the onus is primarily on the taxpayer. The onus is on the taxpayer to correctly report their income. And if the CRA throws a position against you, you've got to kind of prove them wrong. That is absolutely true. It's it's uh, that's the incongruity of it all. Is uh, we can't make accusations of them necessarily, but exactly, exactly, exactly. So from that, you know, none of these none of these points, none of them are like kind of like a silver bullet that's going to say, okay, well, you traded frequently, therefore, hundred percent, it's business income. I want people to understand that none of these things are truly a silver bullet. It's the collection of these things. You could be a frequent trader, but have zero knowledge of the industry. You're not advertising to anyone. You're just making a bunch of trades. Mm-hmm. And you could still have the argument that, hey, I'm making a bunch of trades because I'm bored at work and there's nothing to do. And I'm trading it on my whatever, on my on my phone. And I happened to be in a time where the whole damn market just went up. And I pulled out and I made 100 grand. Not necessarily a business income just because you made frequent trades. So, I mean, I'll give you a couple like examples that are just extreme, but they just to see how the fact patterns fit, right? So like, whatever, Sally, she buys and sells Bitcoin every day. She studies a market. She pays close attention to trade volume on a daily basis. She's always getting positive returns on her investment. She's always on social media, like multiple times a day with her thoughts on where Bitcoin is going. She's also an investment advisor. She regularly trades Bitcoin through ETFs and other commodities, let's say, on client accounts. She trades using money borrowed on a home equity line of credit. She rarely holds her position for longer than a day or two. Okay. That's pretty clear cut business income. You know, she's ticking all the boxes. She's advertising. She's frequently trading. She has lots of knowledge of the of the industry. She's using borrowed money to do the trades. She has a high volume of trades. She's ticking all the boxes. It, it would be I'd be hard pressed as her accountant to report this as a capital gain. On the flip side, you know, you got Bob. He bought one Bitcoin in 2019. Paid I don't know 12 grand for it. I think that's what it was. He held on to the investment. Didn't pay attention to the market, 
kind of forgot that he that he owned it. 2021, I don't know, got laid off, lost his job. He's a factory worker, ran into financial difficulty. He noticed Bitcoin was trading at whatever, 50 grand. Okay. He sold the coin, took the money, lived off that money for a while until he got a new job. He never invested in anything else in his life. He used his personal savings to make the original purchase. He doesn't use social media. I spent no time researching the investment. It's clearly, in my mind, a capital gain. He's checking all the balances for a capital gain on this one. So those two extreme examples, but what you have to do is you have to go through the checklist and then you have to make the determination along with somebody who's competent. You know, you're primarily, it's going to be an accountant. If it's a huge transaction, it could be a tax specialist accountant or a tax specialist lawyer, but that's the methodology that the CRA is going to utilize. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what people who trade in Bitcoin should utilize as well, in my Excellent. opinion. So a lot to digest there, but you've gone through all the points in terms of the, the factors that are involved in determining this. Anything else to add? I think that's the major points that I wanted to make, right? I just wanted mm-hmm. to provide clarity on the guidance. And I gave you the um, IT bulletin mm-hmm. that uh, the CRA uh, utilizes for this, I think it was uh, 140, yeah, IT-479R. So if people who really want to get details can take a look at that. That'll give them yep. even more, more detail. Right. I'm going to answer one of the questions that hasn't come up, but which, which absolutely would. The anonymity aspect, right? People often talk about this. Well, how are they going to find me? The reality is, is it's known in, well, Bitcoin is known in various circles of authority uh, or specifically prosecutionary authority as prosecution futures. The thing about Bitcoin is there is an immutable ledger showing every transaction. They may not know that that wallet is yours, but if at some point there is an indication to that wallet being yours, specifically, usually when that money has to re-enter the normal fiat system, they got you. So the reality is, is that, and then, you know, if you think they're not going to throw artificial intelligence at this problem and a lot of data at it, you're sorely mistaken because there's too much at stake. But the reality is, is that despite the anonymity it provides within the network, when you leave the network and you try to go back into the real world, there is a weakness point there. And that's partially, I believe, what happened with that entire hack in the uh, U.S. Uh, pipeline system was they caught people and they recovered some of the, the money because there was there was some point of re-entry where they can identify it. But anyway, that's besides the point. So overall, bottom line is, sorry to ruin everybody's parade. Yes, you do have to pay for it, pay taxes on it. And you know what? It's If you want to try to play games with this, like anything else, it's caveat emptor. You know, if they catch you, it's it's not going to be pleasant. Yeah, it, it's, it's really not going to be pleasant, to be honest with you. It's going to be punitive, in my opinion, if they catch you and it's material to them. And listen, they, they have a multitude of ways, old-fashioned and new-fashioned ways to catch you. I, I'm by no means an engineer or computer software engineer or anything like that, but they're clearly employing computer techniques, AI, to figure things out. But there's also old-fashioned ways. Like, look, people are out there advertising their trades, talking about big Bitcoin trades or this, that, and the other all over social media. Look, CRA's got, what, 100, 150,000 employees? I, I don't know. They've got a ton of people. One of these people is going to be connected directly or indirectly to you on social media. They're going to see your posts. And the CRA has blatantly said that they will use social media to help them find tax cheats and to form network values on people. It's an indirect form of income verification. 
right? Absolutely. So that's well, one that, of the techniques that's not, that you're going to Let's just say that's that's fair because that's fair. It's because fair. Also, yes. why it's also fair is let's think of all the cash businesses out there. Plenty of cases that they've dealt with where someone's like, oh, I only made 20000 a year for the last 10 years. It's like, that's interesting. You live in a $4 million house and you drive a Ferrari. Yeah. Proof of life, lifestyle is proof of income. So yeah, hey, you know, listen, this, you're going to Bermuda for three times a year, but you're claiming thirty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars of your income. But your your you know your Instagram is showing you like jet setting at casinos, this side and the other. Well, how did you get into these places? And they only need to get you once because once they get you once, they're going to crawl up your butt every year thereafter. So good luck to you with that. So yeah. Anyway, that was uh, an information uh, quite the information session. I'm glad we dispelled this myth. And uh, anyone who's a business owner who's looking at taking cryptocurrencies as as a revenue source, as a possible transaction, as a form of, of payment, be aware of these things. Be very aware of these things and do not assume that you can get away with them because you will pay a price one day. Can't say when, can't say for sure, but it is you are obligated. So just know that. So thank you so much for your time, Fabio. Seriously appreciate it. Where can people find you? Website is coming up. It's going to be campanellagroup.com. If people want to get in touch with me, it's my first name, Fabio, at campanellagroup.com. Excellent. Thanks. Yep. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. As always, thank you for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Take care. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.